Hello, everybody. It's Dr. Sophie. Welcome back to our weekly podcast. I hope these are informative for you and you're getting what you need out of them. Because if you're not, all you have to do is let me know. www.drsophie.com or my iTunes app has availability to reach to me. I have one eight five five sophie now or one eight five five seven six seven four nine six six. Let me know what you think and what you need and how we can improve because we've got to do these really well so that you guys get what you need out of it and we can live as a better community and safer for our children. Last week, our podcast was about hypocrisy. We learned what exactly hypocrisy is and why it's the natural state of the human mind because many people think, ah, maybe they make it up, maybe they're just kind of lying, but it really is a natural state of the human mind. We also analyzed how to reason with a person who is acting in a hypocritical manner. Talked about positive illusions, much more. You gotta listen to it. It's on my website, www.drsophie.com or on my iTunes phone app, Dr. Sophie on call, or you can find me by calling one 877 and I can give you the information, but it's all there for you. This week, we're talking about what and when perfection isn't perfect. Hmm, interesting, isn't it? We're going to talk about what is perfection, why is perfection always perfect, or maybe it's not. What does someone and how does someone develop into a perfectionist, or are we actually born that way? Does parenting have a role in all of this? We're going to take four points away at the end of this, but joining me today to talk about perfection is Hera Marino is a award-winning author, journalist, editor who writes a lot about human behavior. Mm, I want to talk to her about that. She's written a ton of stuff, New York Times, LA Times, USA Today, the New York Daily News. It goes on and on and on. She's going to tell us all about it, but I want to hear a lot about what is perfection because maybe she's a perfectionist. Looks it. Hera, are you with me? I am with you. I'm not a perfectionist. Oh, goody, goody. How are you? I'm <laughs> good. Thank it's you for joining me. not a perfectionist. That's good. So tell me what you think a perfectionist is. A perfectionist is someone who can never settle um, for, is never comfortable with any degree of performance, always beating him or herself up, often herself. Um, and uh, uh, is never happy. And what distinguishes perfectionists from people who pursue excellence is um, a negative focus. They're always focused on avoiding mistakes. And, of course, the mind plays tricks on you. So when you're focused on something negative, like avoiding a mistake. The mistake is front and center in your mind, and two things happen. One, you're focused on negativity, so you've got a ticket to depression. And number two, you're bound to make mistakes because you're focused on avoiding them. So you're saying that it's really an intolerance of doing anything that feels intolerable. Uh, Right, and no matter how well they perform... Um, they just beat themselves up for not performing better. And I have to tell you that perfectionists are not born, they're made. Uh, Why? How? How? How are they made? Well, they're made usually um, in the um, um, cauldron of early family life um, by you know, there are lots of families where someone will say, 
in our house, second best is not good enough. Those are really dangerous statements to make because kids naturally want to do well. Kids are naturally curious. Right. They really naturally want to do well. They naturally want to please their parents. Um, so, you know, you don't even have to say anything. All you have to do is bring home a report card with four A's and one B, and a parent looks at it and raises an eyebrow. That's a message. Yeah, no, absolutely. So is it like critical parenting, punitive parenting kind of thing? Yes, both of the above, and the message that the that's taken away is that you can't please the parent, and love is contingent upon doing perfectly. So they're the seedlings, you're saying, of yes. where perfection starts. Right. And so so you have this horrible feeling all your life that if I make a mistake, no one's going to love me. Okay. So tell me, is now some people buy into the Freudian stuff and some don't. So is that the formation of that punitive superego? I, I don't even like being around perfectionists because you can see their nervous energy very often when they perform. Yeah. Um, they're not comfortable. They're uncomfortable, and they make me uncomfortable. Um, and uh, and the thing, the bad thing about perfectionists, of course, is that they're not going to be risk takers. At best, they're going to do. They're performers. They want to perform to please people. So they're not going to try new things where you might fail and mess up and try again, which is basically the backbone of creative and innovative culture, um, because failure is a very important teacher. Um, so they're not, they're not the risk takers. At best, at best, they just are good performers. Okay. So looking at maybe whether some people believe or, you know, think about the Freudian model of psychology... Do you think that that's part of that superego development? Um, I guess that's one way of framing it. That's not the way I frame it. I don't think people currently in psychology put it in that framework. Um, but definitely there is that parental voice that's constantly going off in someone's head. Okay. If you want to call that superego, um, be my guest. Okay, so tell me then, you must, if you're not a perfectionist or and treat it or talk about it, there has to be then some value on a failure. Yes, I mean, failure is a very important teacher. And the interesting thing is that by the age of 13, people learn more, than, more from their failures than they do from their successes. Um, and the reason why that mechanism doesn't really kick in until you reach a certain stage of maturity is that it takes a kind of cognitive sophistication to learn from failure, which means something, you did something, it didn't quite work, you analyze what didn't work, and then you reperform uh, in some new way. And that's really a great teacher because it teaches you about, first of all, it gives you a certain amount of resilience. You know that life doesn't end if you make a mistake. But also, 
you're beginning to get the boundaries of right. the um, area you're in. Well, this doesn't work, and this does work, and that's valuable information for anybody. Yeah, and it's a lot of self-acceptance as well. Yes, indeed. So tell me something. At what point does a perfectionist, if they do, ever realize that perfection isn't necessarily a possibility? Yeah, at what point? What happens? Do they ever realize perfection isn't possible? Um, or do they stay on this track wearing themselves out all like, through their life? Many of them do. Many stay on the track wearing themselves out. But you have to understand that the idea of perfection, somehow it's entered into our culture much more lately than it used to. But perfection is really an ideal. It's a concept. It's not a reality. There's nothing in um, nature that's perfect. I mean, there are things that we experience as beautiful and and lovely, and we think of as perfect, but nature is constantly evolving. Um, so, I mean, they, there is no such thing. Change right. is constant. Right, but they may never grasp that. No, they can't grasp that. They're so focused on not pleasing someone, letting someone down, not being loved, um, that... Um, all they can think of is what could happen. They're so self-focused. All they're thinking of is yeah. what would happen to them right. if they didn't do this right. And that's another important thing about perfectionists and why it's unpleasant to be around them. They're very focused on themselves. I have an email I want to read you, sure. and then we'll take a voicemail. Eddie from Washington is asking, aside from the obvious, are there personality traits or wor weird quirks that indicate that someone is a perfectionist? Um, sure. I mean, super conscientious people uh, are. Conscientiousness is definitely a personality trait, and some people um, have more of it than others. Okay. Um, so conscientiousness is uh, definitely one. Um, it's to be overly neat is, Neatness is fine. Yeah, um, to a point. Yes, exactly. Um, knowing where things are, having systems, being an organized, very good, but not being comfortable unless everything is in its place can definitely be a deterrent to experiencing life, enjoying life, enjoying other people, yeah. um, and accomplishing things. So is it is OCD... A, First or second cousin of perfectionism? <laughs> um, uh, could be, yes, indeed. Um, I'm, because people are obsessed with um, perfection. I don't throw everything in the basket of OCD, right. but perfectionism is something that people are obsessed with. It's definitely front and center in their minds, and they um, uh, it does preoccupy them. But is perfectionism really a disorder? Um, I'm not going to go that far. <laughs> um, I don't know. I don't know what's a disorder these days. Um, yeah, it's hard to say. Yes, it is definitely hard to say. But why don't we just say it's a condition? Right, and, and if it gets in your way... do something about it. That's right. I have to tell you, it's not easy to escape from once you're in it. No, because it feels good. No, you have to go through all that not feeling good and understand that um, 
you can make mistakes, and the first time you make them, it's just horrible. You feel like the world's going to come to an end, and you have to be able to live through that and through a kind of exposure right. kind of therapy. Right. Um, call it therapy, just an exposure, exposure experiences. Right. Uh, and it doesn't feel good. Lots of things in life don't feel good. But that's you're assuming somebody that's a perfectionist wants to go the risk. Some people want to keep their life so tiny and Absolutely. small that they don't do it, and their life is seemingly perfect to them because they have an inch on either side to move. Right. Yes, and, and you're right. An inch on either side to move, and they prefer the comfort. Right. Of that constriction. And that's what feels good to them. Yes. And if they want to risk the not feeling good, then they can venture out. No, no. Right. And they and don't want to do they that. They definitely won't feel good. Let's take a voicemail. Hang on. Hi, Dr. Sophie. Um, I was commenting on your topic today on being a perfectionist and when is failure a problem. And as a child growing up in a home with perfectionists as parents, Failure was completely unacceptable in our household. It was very unhealthy, in my opinion, and led me to stay in a marriage longer than I should have, an abusive marriage, because of the fear of failure. And my perfectionist parents refused to speak to me for years. So now, as a parent of a special needs child, a child with a disability, I'm beginning to see perfection is what you make it. And learning to see that she is perfect exactly the way that she is and accepting her for who she is and not being afraid to try things, even though we may not be successful at them. Um, your success is in your attempt and not in whether or not you succeed at what you're putting your effort towards. And so that is my comment on your topic today. And I think that it is a brilliant topic at that. God bless. Well, that's quite a boot camp way of learning yeah, um, how um, false the gods of perfectionism are. <laughs> right. um, and uh, it's wonderful that you can come through it and see it that way. And it's amazing. I hadn't really thought about that, but how staying in a bad marriage because it it counts as failure could be one of the consequences Absolutely. Um, um, of uh, having uh, this degree of perfectionism. And, you know, there are things to say to kids who um, who and, do have a failure experience. And that's what I was going to ask you. What can our listeners who are parents that have children, even if their own perfectionism gets in the way, how can they relinquish their children from those binds? Um, there are things that you can say to kids. I mean, like what? Um, if a kid doesn't do well, um, and first of all, one of the things you have to do is deep breathe and put a break on your own emotions right. and certainly not pass your own negative emotions onto your child. But one of the things you can do, and this is really healthy from so many perspectives because it really transfers emotional control over to children, is to ask the child, how do you, how do you think you did? Um, um, what do you, are you happy with the way you did? Um, what do you think you need to do to do better? Maybe right. a kid needs more sleep. Right. What if a kid says, if you say to your child, do you think you did your best? And they I, say, yeah. I wouldn't yeah. phrase it that way. I would turn it around and say, 
how do you feel about it? What do you think about it? Um, uh, what do you think about what you and did? What if they're okay with what they did? You know what? Then be okay. Sometimes that's okay because we don't all put the be- the the utmost effort into everything we do in life, and and it's fine to ask a kid. Um, a lot of people wouldn't be okay with this. Uh, why are you happy with this? It may be something they're not totally interested in. Right. However, it may be something that they need to be a little bit more interested in. Well, you know. Um, in which case, um, you can simply say, well, you know, it, it, it's important to remedy this for some reason, and um, let's, uh, let's think about ways we can um, make this work. Right. So, like, you know, what do you say to a parent who is saying to me, you know, I'm not okay that they're getting B's or a few A's and some B's. Well, why is that not okay is what I would say back to them. Right. Right. And you know, one of the things you hear from so many people, and I've talked to many, many, many students around the country about this, is that they always say to me, how come my parents we're comfortable getting B's and C's, but I have to get right. And I, I can't tell you how many times I hear that. From Me too. People. What and do you it's think? Funny. I mean, it's it's and part of it is because parents are getting their emotional kicks out of the achievements of their kids, which is bad. Right, but they're also putting onto their children. I think at times their own wish. Exactly. For their kid to do better, it's not coming from a mean place, but it's coming from a, I need you to do better than we did. Right, but they have to realize that their kids are separate from them. Exactly. And uh, and need to... In- Individuate. Yeah, develop their own standards on their own. Oh my gosh, we've got a fire signal going off. There's oh, no that's fire. Okay. That's okay. It's just... A noise in the background. I want, to, I want to read you an email. Micah from Richmond is asking me, help me. I was partnered with a perfectionist on my end of the year history project. Not only does she not listen to me, she is causing things to go way too slow. What can I do to get her through it? Oh, she's got a very important point. They, perfectionists never finish with anything because Ooh. you have to go over and over and over. Um, what can she do? Um, Push her off the project? <laughs> no. Well, one of the things she can do is definitely speak to a teacher about it and tell the teacher that it's a bad pairing because she is a perfectionist and I need some help in this situation because we're not moving, we're not covering enough ground, we're not learning enough. Um which is a very positive way of framing it. Yeah. Um, and maybe get some support from the teacher. Right. Because it's really very unpleasant to be dragged down that way by someone who can't move ahead. That person needs help. Yes. But what a, that person isn't going to ask for help because the last thing a perfectionist can do is ask, ask for, help. for help. Because they're they not broken. Feel that asking for help is like you know, one step toward death. Well, it shows them they're not perfect. Huh. So my other thing is, why can't they sit down and make sure they've talked also peer-to-peer, but also make a concrete timeline together that by this date we'll have this. That's an excellent, um, I think that's an excellent suggestion. However, um, if she isn't listening, um, I don't know what the 
chances are of her listening, wanting to sit down and uh, do that. Uh, do that, but well, I, I think uh, they're all good options, and they should try yeah, something. Though I mean, to the degree that that would work, I think that's probably the best. But Micah, you're not stuck. <laughs> that's the message. Me? But she's not stuck. No, definitely not stuck. I think there are a couple of ways to go. And sitting down is certainly one way, but if she won't listen, I think there's no alternative. But get a mediator. You're involved. Yes, and say, can you pair me with someone with whom I can move ahead and cover more ground and uh, be productive? Uh, work more effectively on this project. Great. All right, let's take another voicemail. Hey, uh, my name is Chris. I'm, I live in LA. I have a question for Dr. Sophie. It's uh, basically I have a young son, and I'm just wondering like how I can teach him that it's okay to fail, but not kind of instill a sense of complacency in him at the same time. It's something I've really been struggling with, so be hmm. curious to hear your advice. Thanks a lot. That's very interesting, because many parents would never ask that. Right. That's a good thing. What do you think? Well, one of the things I think you can do is introduce some new activities um, where he couldn't possibly um, be perfect and enjoy them. Uh, um, Make them teaching moments. Uh, right, and just say, hey, why don't we try this? And maybe even try with him something that the father hasn't done before. So neither of them does it perfectly. Um, and And yet can enjoy it. And one of the things to do is to really pick something out to focus on um, instead of performing perfectly. Hey, let's see how much fun we can have um, with this. Or let's see how far we can kick the ball into the water. Or just something goofy. Yeah, but I think it's important to say that the parent has to be able to handle their own mistakes first and be able to not melt down because they're not perfect. And right. get that in check, oh, right? definitely. But here's a case where the parent is willing to create an instructional situation for a kid, so to teach the kids something about failure. And I think they can choose an activity yeah. that neither of them has tried before and have a ball laughing That's at a great their goofiness idea. doing it. Because they're both starting out on an equal playing field. <laughs> yeah. All right, let's do another voicemail. Hang on. Hi, Dr. Sophie. My name is Ben from Connecticut. So I, I moved out to L.A., and I wasn't really sure what I wanted to do. I know in, in college, I thought I'd be a doctor. I was always kind of a perfectionist. So I, I, I moved to L.A. and become a writer, and it's very difficult for me. I mean, I've always been one of those students that did very well. As a writer, it's very hard for me to know when I'm done. When is my article that I've written good enough. I mean, is there a time limit? Is there a number of proofreads? Some guidance would be much appreciated. All right. Hmm. Thanks again, Dr. Sophie. Looking forward to hearing uh, your response. It's a great question. I'm sure many, as you know, perfectionists get stuck on that whole treadmill we talked about. Yeah, no, it is a great question. And of course, writing is a perfect example. And since it's something I do for a living um, as well, um, I can only offer the fruits of my own experience over the years. Uh, very often, um, we don't know how, how good it is or how many times to go over it. Right. But th that's why God invented deadlines. Um, 
so we have to turn it in by a certain time. If you're, yes. If, if you're if you're on a track where you're not turning things in by deadlines, I think you need to go back and start observing deadlines. And what you keep doing is moving back your start date so you can meet the deadline. Um, I believe that everybody should put what they write away for a couple of days um, before they turn it in and then look at it. And I have to tell you that as a published writer, there's still things I look at that where I see things that I would like to change, but I do think that you have to really put your best effort into research and figure out how much time you're going to need for it. Right. And then do your writing and give yourself enough time to do it and to enjoy the process. But my question to you is, I think the bigger issue, and you can speak to this maybe personally, is the anxiety that comes with as the deadline nears, you're either on track or not. But it's even if you are on track, I think the perfectionist may never feel comfortable to relinquish. They never will. Right. But how do they deal with that anxiety to let go? Uh, they have to deal exactly what you said. They have to learn to find a way to deal with that anxiety. Now, here's the thing about writers. What? We turn stuff in and we always get feedback so uh, and there are almost always things to be fixed so writing is not a profe- is not a profession for perfectionists um, someone who turns something in and someone says well you need to fix this and and it's not a matter of it being right or wrong when you turn it in different publications um, have different things that they want. So right. there are always going to be corrections to be made. And it's good to have high standards and to research and write things well, but this is just not a, a profession for perfectionists because there are constant deadlines and uh, constant revisions that have to be made, even by the best of writers, tailored to the needs of the publication and the head inside the head of the editor who has ideas that you can't possibly share. So really, they need to feel safe in the ability that they get the rewrite, which is the nature of this process. Yeah. Then they have their second opportunity, whether it's revise or totally rewrite or just adjust certain things. Um, So that's a good tool for anxiety management. No, yeah, knowing that it's going to be, you have to learn to do it if you're going to if you're going to work in this field. But I mean, in general, um, this is not an area for perfectionists because of the constant deadlines and and really having to meet them. And I have to say that the ability to meet deadlines is definitely one of the things that's going to make a writer popular with the editors. It's a very important skill to have, and if you don't have it, publications really don't want to work with you because um, it makes it very challenging for them. So the bottom line is handle your anxiety, feel safe in that process that you get a rewrite, but meet your deadline. Yeah, right. All right. Hara Marano, tell me more, more about you, what we can, where we can find your work, and all those great things about you because I want to promote you. I'm editor-at-large of Psychology Today magazine, um, and... I write an advice column for the magazine. So you can find me online at 
uh, psychologytoday.com and in the printed magazine on newsstands. Um, and our, my most recent book uh, does in some ways deal uh, with perfectionism because I think we're having an acad- we're having an epidemic of perfectionism because there's so much pressure on young people to achieve these days and pressure to achieve is almost ipso facto yeah. interpreted by young kids as pressure to be perfect. Um, so my latest book is called A Nation of Wimps, The High Cost of Invasive Parenting and it basically looks at the current culture of parenting, pushing kids to achieve what's commonly known as helicopter parenting. Right, right. And it was really one of the first books to document the phenomenon and what's causing it and where it's going and why it's so bad for kids and for parents and for the culture. Right. It, all over, all across the board. Right. All right. So we can find you on Psychology Today. Right. And we should run out and buy A Nation of Wimps. <laughs> right. Thank I you. That. Thank you so much for all your time and expertise. Very Thanks helpful for information. Me on. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Wow, that was interesting. And it was not perfect, which is good. That was Hara Marano. She is a award winning author, journalist for Psychology Today. She's been all over the place in her writings. But she has a new book out that we should grab. It's called The Nation A Nation of Wimps. It's talks about the high cost of invasive parenting, which I think is very important for us to understand how crucial parenting is and how it translates and trickles to how our children will become adults in our society. And it really affects all of us. So take a look at that book. It's very interesting. But today we talked about perfectionism and we learned a lot of really interesting things. I think the main thing we learned is that perfectionists are born they are not made so therefore it's not a genetic thing it's really something that we get shaped into through our parenting nurture experience so I think we need to take a look at that hence why the book would be good of uh, parenting and invasiveness because helicopter parenting and all of those kinds of perfectionistic parenting models really do mold our children so perfectionism and perfectionists are born then are not made I think also it's important to understand that perfectionists focus on a mistake rather than on a success. And that's where the focus stays. And to be able to unhook from that and to be able to focus on the success is really something that would really move a perfectionist through getting stuck on being perfect. Also, it's important to uh, understand that many people who are perfectionists, that failure is a good teacher for them to be able to understand and tolerate the feelings that come out of failing because if we don't trip and fall we can't get up and walk and run faster so i think in general it's important to really make mistakes and that um it's just important and that the focus of a perfectionist is on how they perform that's the other tip that I think is important, that a perfectionistic person will look at every inch of what they do, micromanaging it into a tight space, that if they cannot tolerate any discomfort or anxiety from venturing out from thinking or doing something less perfect, that they then close down their life so tightly that they don't have anything really going on in their life. And before you know it, they have a tight life 
under a lot of control with little enjoyment and lots of anxiety. And so focusing on making a mistake or tolerating the feelings of venturing out and possibly taking a risk and making a mistake is really the first step for any perfectionist to take a look at. So four good points to look at. Think about, take a listen to the podcast. It's got a lot of great stuff in it. Look at the book from our expert. It is called A Nation of Wimps, The High Cost of Invasive Parenting, and that is from Hara Murano. She's a great and award-winning journalist all over the place, and she can be found on Psychology Today on the website. She does an advice column. So write into her, ask her your questions. I want to thank you all for listening and for calling in your voicemails, your emails, all of that kind of stuff. It's really very helpful. Great questions, great thought that you put into these, and we can answer some really good questions. All of my podcasts are on my website at www.drsophie.com and on my iTunes phone app called Dr. Sophie on Call, which is free. Again, www.drsophie.com is there for you at all times. Voicemail, call me up, leave me a message, thoughts, questions, whatever you have at one 767 4966 or 1-855-SOPHIE-NOW. My book, Side by Side, the Revolutionary Mother-Daughter Program for Conflict-Free Communication is available at any bookstore online. Grab a copy and learn how to deal with your mother and daughter. Uh, always follow me on Twitter and Facebook. I'm around. You'll know where I'm at and send me all of your thoughts through that. And visit iTunes to download the full version of Andy Grammer's Keep Your Head Up. And the most important thing for me is please don't forget to sweep. But you gotta keep your head up, oh, and you can let your head down, hey, you gotta keep your head